later. Uh, hit, click it again. I'm, okay, this isn't going to take long. It's a fast sermon because we're talking about hitting the fast ball, right? Yeah. Uh, stand with me. Let's read. <clears throat> Two verses. In, uh, in John. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would come and that you would help us to order our lives rightly in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Click it again. As I was saying, uh, there's only one person who's ever batted a thousand, and that's Jesus, and he's our example. And so if we're living in in a life where... It's fastball, 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 fastball. Everybody's got to deal with a fastball, basically. Now, everybody also occasionally gets a curve and occasionally a knuckleball. Those are the next two weeks. We're not going to be batting for the next two weeks, but because that thing can't throw a knuckleball. But, uh, but the fastball everybody deals with every day. That's what it amounts to. And so we're going to look at how Jesus dealt with it because he's our example, and if he dealt with it, in certain ways, it would probably behoove us to follow his example in doing that. And so uh, uh, click it again. I'm going to give you four points that uh, will show you what Jesus did to deal with hitting the fastball. And the first one is he took time to enjoy his friends. In fact, he took time to enjoy the important people in his life. That's what it amounted to. This passage that we read, he was at a, at a wedding at Cana. In Galilee, with, with his friends, his disciples. I, I can just see it now. I mean, the wedding invitation comes to, um, I don't know what their last name was, but comes to, comes to his family. And, uh, you know, and, and Mary goes, hey, you want, you want to go to the wedding with us? Uh, and Jesus goes, yeah. Can I bring my friends? Sure. The more, the merrier. And so they all end up at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. We have, a, we have a tendency to think that the, well, we call it religious life. I don't actually like that word. A, a discipleship life. A holy discipleship life doesn't involve having any fun. Doesn't involve kicking back and just enjoying the people that God has put you with and the things that he's given you to do. We, we tend, to, we tend to, to think, in fact, that if we've stopped to have a little downtime with some with some mates, with some buds, then we're, uh, probably shouldn't have said buds in downtime, should I? No. But if we, if, if, you, know, if, you, know, you know what I'm saying. Buddies. Yeah, that's what I meant. If you, uh, to just enjoy a little downtime with that, that, well, this, God can't be happy about this. I need to be out, I need to be out witnessing to somebody. Well, yeah, you probably do need to be out witnessing somebody when it's time to be out witnessing to somebody. But when it's time to enjoy the people that are important in your life, you need to do that. When Jesus called Matthew to come and be his disciple, 
What was the first thing that Matthew did for him? He threw him a party. He came to his house. He, he, he spent time with him. He, he enjoyed time with him. Uh, when Jesus was anointed in Bethany, the time where, uh, where, where the alabaster box was broken and poured upon him, he was at a, a party being given in his honor, a dinner being given in his honor. Jesus clearly enjoyed a good party. Let me just say this. The world and the devil have kind of, pre, have kind of hijacked that word party. It don't belong to them. The devil doesn't know how to party. You, you, you come away from one of the devil's parties and, and you're worse off than you were before you went. You go to one of God's parties and you come back and, and it's, you not only had a good time, you not only had some good food, it's, you, it did you good. It absolutely did you good. And Jesus clearly enjoyed being with his friends, even though they were stinkers at times. I mean, you know, sometimes your friends... You know, they just, they just aren't all that, that great. But, you know, Jesus wasn't these kind of guys who, I'm going to take my ball and go home. No, he, he stayed with them. He, he hung with them. Let's, let's, let's play too, you know, was probably Jesus' motto. And I don't think it was any co- coincidence that Jesus' last night on this earth before he went to the cross was spent at a feast. What do you want to do on this night? Well, why don't I get my, I want to have my friends together and, and let's eat. That's how, you know, there's something about sitting down at a table and breaking bread with somebody. I mean, there just is. Uh, if I've got a meeting with somebody, unless it's, you know, unless it's just a, a, a little question that's going to take five minutes or unless it's, you know, a heavy meeting, I want to, I want to go to lunch with you. You know, I want to, that's what I want to do. I want to go to breakfast with you or something. Let's sit down and talk. Because when, when you sit down and you, and you eat together, it, it changes your relationship. The people you have sat down and eat, eaten with, you have a different relationship, a different dynamic to your relationship with them than you do with those that you've just spent time with otherwise. And so that's what Jesus wanted to do on the last night. And then after he rose from the dead and he went and he appeared to his disciples, the first thing he said was, fear not. You know what the second thing was? Let's eat. You got any, you got any food here, guys? Uh, how's the refrigerator doing at this point in time? Of course, they didn't have refrigerators or anything like that. So he didn't, he didn't say that. But, but, but really, that, that's what he did. And when we go to heaven, what's the first thing? Oh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah, no kidding. In fact, I, I, I don't know, a number of years ago, over 30, probably 35, Margaret and I wasn't even married yet. I remember one day uh, uh, taking a little afternoon nap. I was too young to really take afternoon naps in those days. I can seriously get after one of those things now. But, but uh, it was just taking a little afternoon. It was one of those kind of semi-conscious sort of things, and, and, I, and I just started thinking about heaven. And, uh, you know, normally when I'd start thinking about heaven and going to heaven, it'd be like the sky would open and the light would come blazing through. But this time we were already there. And we were just sitting around a big old long table waiting for somebody important to enter. (laughs) And can corn on the cob be that big? I I don't know, but it kind of looked like it was. And it was just, ah, just luscious with the butter melting over that thing. It's a good thing for y'all. It's a short sermon. This, uh... <laughs> Jesus took time to enjoy his friends. And then Jesus also 
Didn't try to do everything. Yeah, that is good. Jesus didn't heal everyone he saw. And you know, and there'd be some people go, well, they didn't all have faith. He didn't heal everyone he saw because he wasn't supposed to. He didn't raise from the dead every dead person that he encountered. Raised three of them. He didn't raise the rest of them. Why? Because he wasn't supposed to. That's why. There were, there were places that they wanted Jesus to stay. He didn't stay because he wasn't supposed to. There were things he could have done. Would Jesus, you think Jesus might have made a better king than Herod? Yeah, of course he would. I would have made a better king than Herod, to be quite honest. But no, Jesus would have made a better king than Herod. And Jesus was a king. And Jesus had the right to do that. And the people wanted him to be king. In fact, several times they tried to make him king by force. But that wasn't what he was supposed to do. And so he wouldn't pick it up. He wouldn't do it. Would he made a better high priest than Caiaphas? Yeah. Did he have the right? Yeah, but it wasn't what he was supposed to do. I remember uh, a number of years ago, and, I, and I've shared this before, but I, I think it bears saying again, uh, when my friends Doug and Dabney Mann first went on a mission trip, they went to, uh, and, and a few of you probably know them, and they go everywhere now, but their first one was to Jamaica. And I remember when they came back, Dabney making the comment, you know, when you get, when you get down to Jamaica, there's just needs everywhere. Everywhere you look, there are things that, that, that need to be done that you can help with. And if you try to help with all of them, you won't do anything. So you have to listen to God and go, what am I supposed to do? If I start out that, I don't know about you, but if I start out the day with a, with a list this long of to do's, I will end up the day with a list this long of to do's by the end of the day. Cause I've got so many things to do that I don't do any of those. Plus some other things pop up. It's what tends to happen. Jesus said over in John chapter five, uh, click this again. Jesus said in John chapter five, verse 19, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And that's the way Jesus went through life. He had, he had, he had one goal in mind. And that was, what do you want today? What do you want me to do? And so by the time he got to the end of his life, he was able to say, I have brought glory to you in this world by completing the work that you gave me to do. And I suspect he could say that at the end of every day, and he could say it at the end of every week, and he could say it at the end of every month. And he was able to say it at the end of his life. And then the third thing, Jesus kept customs. Uh, click this again. It says over in, in Luke uh, chapter 4, verse 16, that he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Uh, I'm a bit of a free spirit myself. Actually, <laughs> you would never know that, but but I am. And in fact, I'm one of those people who actually likes change. You know, I really, I I, I really do. I, I think change is just cool. I I, I embrace it. I, I kind of I love seeing it come and dealing with it and and messing with it. It's keeps life interesting. But my life is also grounded 
in customs. There are things in my life that I do not have to make decisions about. When I get up in the morning, I don't have to decide, am I going to... Should I, am I going to read the word today or not? It's, it's, it's who I, it's what I do. And and it it wasn't, it's not what I do as a pastor. It's what I did long before I became a pastor. And when I go to bed on Monday night, I don't have to, I don't have to decide before I drift off to sleep. Am I going to get up and go to the gate tomorrow? I'm going. That's what I do. On Saturday, on Sunday morning, when I get up, I don't have to go, should I go to church today? And, you know, and it's not just about that. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of life suckers all over, uh, especially where we are. And we call them choices, and we think that they're wonderful. But really, when you get right down to it, they're not necessarily always wonderful. Yes, it's good to have some choices. But have you ever tried to buy peanut butter at, at Kroger? You got to decide, do I want the healthy peanut butter or do I want this? Uh, you know, what part of the store do I want to buy it in? And then when you get there, it's which brand? You know, Peter Pan, Jif, Skippy, Kroger, uh, you know, Great Value or whatever. And then over here, and it's even worse in in the healthy food section because not only do you have um, uh, smooth and crunchy, and not only do you have different brands, but you got the the organic and the non-organic. And you've got the organic no-stir that you don't have to put in a refrigerator. which And then you've got other butters. There, it's not just peanut butter. I mean, right there beside it, they got stuff called cashew butter and almond butter and stuff. And you kind of go, ooh. And it's good to have choices on one level, but the truth of the matter is, it takes me a half an hour to buy peanut butter at Kroger. How do I get that half hour back? It's even worse at Whole Foods. You go to Whole Foods and you have to decide if you want to grind it yourself or not. Did I bring a container today? In Zimbabwe, it was great. You you went in, you bought squirrel peanut butter. Because it wasn't made out of squirrels. It's made out of peanuts. But, you know, it was... It was called squirrel peanut butter. And you had... You could either buy... Uh, crunchy or smooth, depending on if they had it. <laughs> but you know what? You went home with peanut butter and you had your half hour back. <laughs> Jesus had customs. He had things in his life that were set. Yeah. You know, it's great to have some choices, but, that, but too many choices will rob you of your life. You need to have some things set so that you're then free. You're then free to actually lead and, and, and live your life. So that was the third thing. <laughs> okay. And then the last thing, Jesus spent time with the Father. All right. I'll, f- <laughs> I'll fess up just a little bit here. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, all of the people who preceded me in the batting cage... <laughs> Uh, they were trying to catch up to like, uh, considering the distance and everything, they were, tr- they were trying to hit about 110 mile an hour fastball, uh, which that, that wasn't coming 110. It was coming like 35, 38. Woo. Yeah. 
Okay, well, that, you see, there it is. But it was also coming from 20 feet instead of from 60 feet. So, it, it, you know, the guys who touched the ball, well done. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, when I got up there, <laughs> I was trying to hit a fastball in the mid-80s is, is about, what, uh, about what it amounted to for me. Uh, and in the early service, because those people have, tend to be the ones who've come here longer, uh, as, soon as, I, as soon as I got in the cage, someone yelled, the fix is on. <laughs> and I ignored that. Uh, I still had to hit it. That's right. And... Uh, and hitting one in the mid '80s in all in in the slouch, especially when you're approaching the mid '80s, you know, when you can see them, you know, when you can see it out there. Uh, you know why I got a break? I mean, not just because it was all my idea and I put this together. I got a break because I spent some time with Alan yesterday, and Alan was in charge. And it's a whole lot easier to hit the fastball when you spend some time with the person in charge of what's going on. One of Jesus' customs was he would withdraw, it says, to lonely places and pray. Because he didn't need any distractions. He didn't didn't need any uh, options or choices here. He just just had one focus. And that was, I, I need to go spend some time with the Father. Martin Luther is quoted as saying, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a cool quote, quote that I have so much to do today. I am so busy that I will never get it all done unless I spend three hours in prayer before the day starts. Now, to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't live in that world. I do spend time praying. But, you know, starting the day and going, let me, let me get my three hours in. I've really never done that. So, you know, don't be intimidated. But I do spend time with the Father every day. And, and to be honest with you, I also don't know if, if Martin Luther did that. I just know he's been quoted as having said that. But I know if I did that, I'd get a whole lot more done than I do now. Stuff that matters. I might not be able to check off as many things on my to-do list. But when I get there and find out what I have done, I would find out that I got a whole lot of stuff done. That was really important that day. And so here we are, and we're living in this life that's just coming at us like 110 mile an hour fastball. Who can catch up with such a thing? Every now and then we catch a little tip of it, maybe, is about all. But Jesus, Jesus was consistently 1,000%. And this is what he did. He took time with the important people in his life. He didn't try to do everything that was out there. Our, our, Our culture, our work mindset is do it all. Our religious mindset, do it all. He kept customs. He had things that kept him in the road, kept him on track, things that cleared the way for him because he didn't have to make decisions about that. That's that's what he did. 
And he spent time with the father. And the father's in charge of everything. Including the speed of this pitching machine. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you're here and you need prayer, uh, come. And maybe one of the things that you need, and I, and I hope that there's somebody here who listened to this and went, Wow, that's my life. Uh, help. Come. Come, don't just leave screaming help. Come and, and pray. And ask get a brother or sister to pray with you help me get this in perspective let me get on top of life the way God wants me doing what he wants not just what there is to do we're going to worship for a few moments we'll wait for you you call me to lay aside the worries of my day Quiet down my busy mind and find a hiding place. Calling me to lay aside the worries of my day. To quiet down my busy mind and find a hiding place. some people here who uh, who thought that's nice I don't have time for that 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 that's nice those those ideas that yeah that sounds pretty good but you don't understand everything that I have to do I mean you're you know you're a, a preacher you got you flex your schedule a little bit you don't understand what I've got to do um, and to be honest, there's probably some people here whose lives are so full of meaningless stuff that they're desperate. They're absolutely just desperate. This morning was for you. Change will happen. The, the only thing you can control is 
whether it's going to be good change or bad change. And these things that I've given to you today can make a huge difference in your life. You might not go from 90 to, to 20 in the next 24 hours, but you can go from 90 to 75. And you can start that trend in the right direction. I want to ask, and let me pray over everybody. Let me just pray over. I'm going to pray a blessing. This will be a little longer than usual, though, because I, uh, I just feel like I'm supposed, I need to do that. So just, just raise your hand. Just receive. Father, here we are. We're your children. And Lord, we look at, at life and we, we look at our lives and we, and we see these sins that are so obvious and we try to avoid them and we're, we're doing this and we're doing that, that we get into the sin of busyness and we have taken control of our lives. There's nothing, there's nothing left to give you because we're, we're, we're doing it all 24-7. 365. I pray that you'd forgive us, Father. I pray that you would forgive us. I pray, Lord God, that you would restore sanity into our lives. You've given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so, Lord, I pray that you would restore sanity into our homes, into our schedules, into our family schedules, into our work schedules. And, Lord, I pray that you bring us to the realization that it's not our schedule that matters. It's your schedule that's important. So, Father, I pray that you would bring hope to those who are desperate. That you would bring clarity and light to those who are walking in darkness and it's just gotten so foggy <laughs> and Lord that joy and peace and genuine righteousness would begin to be born in all of our lives Father make us like your son Jesus we thank you Lord Amen